Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by Blue Water Climate Control with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm glad to have you along with us on this Thursday. Hope everybody's doing well as the Vols get ready to take on Georgia. We'll jump right into the questions because we have questions about a variety of topics and particularly a lot of questions about Georgia. So we'll jump right into them tonight. Again, you can check out our friends at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. Check them out on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. Hard Hat Vol wants to know, Rob Lewis, what playmaker outside of George Pickens do Tennessee fans need to be most concerned with from the Bulldogs? I mean, I think Zamir White looks pretty solid to me, but the guy that really impressed me the other night was, I mean, not surprisingly, given the numbers he put up, was uh, Kiaris Jackson. I mean, somebody that I didn't really know anything about. He burns Auburn for, you know, big, several big plays. Um Nine catches, 147 yards, and, and that's a guy that, you know, again, everybody has their eye on Pickens, but uh, Pickens just had two catches for 26 yards in, in that game. He had the touchdown, but uh, Jackson, they didn't have an answer for him. Yeah, I thought Jackson played really well, too. I'm, I'm with you on Zamir White, too. I, I mean, I just think that, you know, with Cook maybe not being able to go Austin, it's going to be a whole lot of Zamir White in the backfield. And, and, look, he looks like a guy who's finally recovered from an ACL. I mean, he was all-world coming out of high school. Everybody wanted him. He had the ACL tear um, that set him back significantly. It's starting to look like he's rounding into form a little bit as a running back. Look, I'm not saying he's Todd Gurley or some of those guys that they've had previously. But he's a good-looking back who I, I think is going to continue to grow in their offense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he, he, he looks – better than he has looked um but you're right he he came in with the hype that he was going to be every bit as Nick Chubb or Todd Gurley or or no no Sean Moreno um I don't think he's that to that to this point um but yeah I mean he is the best back they have they're gonna rely on him heavily he's tough to tackle he's a bigger back I think Tennessee's gonna have to tackle well I think this could be paramount in this game especially early on uh is is you know being able to tackle and not allow yards after contact yeah, I think that's a big stat in this game, too. You know, you cannot, Rob, you can't let a guy, you know, if it's third and third and three and you got him hemmed up back there, you can't let him squirt out and get that short yardage first down. I mean, you're going to, when the play's opportunity is there to make a play, you got to tackle. And I'll say this about Tennessee. Through two games, they've tackled pretty well for a team that didn't hit a whole lot in the preseason. It, I was expecting the tackling to be uh, significantly worse. And, and quite frankly, I mean, they've tackled a lot better than some other teams I've watched. Florida in particular, I don't think it's tackled very well at all in two games. I think Tennessee's been pretty solid tackling, Rob. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't have much to add other than that's – I'm with you. I would have I would have looked for that to have been, you know, something that popped up as, I don't know, about a glaring issue, but something that they had problems with. And to that, I mean, it just – you know, I'm not saying they've been perfect, but, you know, you just haven't seen – you had not seen any big busts that have resulted in missed tackles. Yeah. All right. Let's go to volunteer to 87. What commits and targets were in Knoxville on Saturday? I know of Mims and Brooks, assuming there were more than two people, though. Uh, now that I've learned from your UGA counterpart that Dwight Freeney and Ed Reed would have had to redshirt at Georgia due to their defensive depth. Any guess as to what the closest thing to a weakness is for their defense? I'm assuming we'll take some deep shots, but wondering what else we might try to attack, assuming it's not a downpour. You know, I, I, I think that one area where Tennessee may try to attack is in the flat. Um, I think if you go back and look. Um, out in space. Out in space. I think this sometimes Jeremy Pruitt's defense or, or the foundation that this defense is built on, whether it's Pruitt's, whether it's Dick Saban's, whether it's Kirby, whatever that tree is, sometimes in some calls they can get a guy out in space, not in a, not in a screen 
but a guy out in the flat, a check down, a rail route, that type of thing. I think that's an area where Tennessee will try to attack a little bit. Um, Austin, what do you say on the on the commits and targets in town? Anybody besides those two of note? Just those two. Which is not surprising given the fact that, you know, they're on their own dime and they can't hang out with coaches and go to the complex and get tours and that type of thing, right? Yeah, I mean, I, you know – Tennessee trying to get, you know, and we'll continue to try to get kids to come in town, but some kids just can't afford to come in town. Some kids, it doesn't work out, you know, from a logistical standpoint, having a ride, those type of things. Brooks came in town. Remember, he's got family up here. Um, and he, he told me he did not go to the game. You know, he did, you know, he just kind of hung out, did hang out with Amarius some, um, you know, but uh, those two were the, the only two. All right. Let's go to LF Vol. Uh, two questions. Did you learn who the bus was when JG got blown up on the wide receiver screen um, against Missouri? And in the Monday night chat from Austin's comments on green, sounds like he doesn't think that Tennessee leads for any of the four players who are head to head with Georgia against TID, Smile Munden, Nylon Green, um, Mims. Is that accurate, Austin? No, I'm going to say no. It's not accurate. It's not accurate, but you're not you're not divulging any more than that. Is that what you're saying? I mean, I think that they are better than fifty percent, even if it's fifty-one. I think they got a coming out of the weekend. I think they've got maybe a fraction of a lead for Marius Mims. That can easily change Saturday, though. Right, because so, he's going to be in Athens, and and, but, and again, but he is going to be in Athens and get to watch the balls play. So I mean, like. You know, I think, you know, choosing to do the games he did, and he could have easily went to Georgia Auburn. for the Auburn game, you know, and, and you know, but, but, you know, the way it looked at it and decided, no, I'm going to go to Tennessee, Missouri, and then, you know, Tennessee, Georgia. Yes. But, I mean, I think on Nylon Green, I think distance is a factor because of those around Nylon Green would like for him to play, stay close to home. And his hometown in Athens is about 30 minutes apart. I, th- I think that's there. I, you know, I think with T with TID, it just depends on what day it is. Yeah, yeah that kid's all over the map, man. Right. And I like that kid. Okay, don't get me wrong. I like the kid. Right. He's a nice kid, but he is truly all over the map yeah. and has been. Yeah. As for his first question about who was the bust was on, I'm not sure, Rob, that that bust wasn't on JG because I I don't know if that's an RPO or what it was, but they could about been called for a lineman downfield on that play. Looks like if he hands it off with the way the offensive linemen are going, there's a run to the left where there's a hole there. So I don't know if he's supposed to read something on an RPO or what he was doing. You know, the right, it looks like a right tackle on that play doesn't block anybody, but the right tackle was firing off left like he was going to run block. So I don't know what the call where was there. If that was an RPO and that was a misread by Jared or if that was a bust up front by an offensive lineman. It so was, I, it's pretty simply that Jared it's either Jared or the, the right tackle just, you know, completely went the wrong way. Cause it's not like he missed the guy. I mean, he didn't, he didn't he go. Didn't, after yeah. Him. He didn't even attempt to go after him. That's for sure. So I, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, Galilee wants to know Carvin gray, Thomas banks and small are all contributing to this year's team. Can you all, can you find another vault team that had more Memphis players playing a role? Well, I mean, Omari Thomas has played about five snaps, right? Rob 10 snaps. Uh, he has played seven snaps, I believe. Seven snaps in two games, and Jabari Smalls played three snaps in two six, games. Six, six, three, six three carries. Okay, so you know, put put that in there that they have played early on, but 
we'll see how, you know, and I think they're going to grow in their role, but they're not locked in as huge contributors to this point. But to answer your question, you probably got to go back to the early nineties and looking at some guys who contributed pretty, pretty heavily. Um, about 93, 94 in there at Reggie Ingram at Corey Stone, who was a defensive lineman, Tori Noel, who was a safety. John Sartell was a tight end on that team who was playing. Legend. And and Tom Hutton was the, was the punter on that team. So there's five guys there that were pretty significant contributors. To, and to, go ahead. I was going to say, with that said, and, I, and you're right, number of plays they've not played. But, I mean, Jabari did get a, 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 a nice first-round run in the middle of the football game, not in junk time. Right. Uh, Omari had a couple of nice plays in the middle of the football game. So they're not playing a ton, but when what they're asking them to do, they've been able to contribute, which I think says a lot about, you know, both kids. And specifically, I think says a lot about Jeremy's insistence when he first took the job to make Memphis a priority. Oh, and I don't, I'm not taking anything away from them at all. I mean, I, you know, uh, and I think they're going to contribute more and more as you go, as they go forward. You know, the five guys I mentioned from the nineties were guys who were, in the starting lineup, you know, um, or, or were, you know, playing, uh, you know, a lot of snaps. And by the end of the season, I think they're, they're might, that might be the case with this group as well. Look, I, I think Jeremy's priority in Memphis and repairing a lot of broken relationships there, Rob, that, you know, Butch Jones severed when he basically said, I'm not going to recruit Memphis, um, is, is really good work on the recruiting front and working relationships with Aaron Hayden and people in Memphis that are significant and important in terms of being in the landscape of, of prep athletics out there. And then you are getting contributions from guys that's getting people's attention. Eric Gray's, Eric Gray's performance opens eyes up to playmakers in Memphis. You and know, ask, ask that question in two or three years and it might be, you know, oh, I, more, more than you can ever remember. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think a year from now, then it's probably the greatest contributions for the city of Memphis and any one team that Tennessee's had. Um, because I think Bryson Eason's going to play. Austin, you know, I think they're going to, I think those Whitehaven trio guys are going to contribute and be factors. Um, Carvin's going to be back. All these guys that are playing right now are going to be back and playing a bigger role. So uh, I, I think Memphis is going to be huge for Tennessee and they better win in recruiting in Memphis in, in 22, right? Austin. Cause that's, that's where, right. that's where the, that's where the talent in, in Tennessee, a lot of the talent in Tennessee in 22 is, uh, is in Memphis. All right, let's go to Volken. Uh, what seniors ultimately benefit the most from having this year uncounted um, and meaning it doesn't count as your year of ex eligibility, who could that benefit the most? You know, I, looking across the board, you know, that's hard because they're still relatively young. You know, I mean, Josh Palmer, I think still has not played a ton of football. You know, I mean, you go back, he played one year of high school ball and then, you know, they, they, you know, the previous staff, you know, took a flyer on him when they didn't land T Higgins and some of those guys. And, you know, he's turned out to be a good hit, you know, and developed nicely, but I think could use another year. Um, you know, what does Princeton Fant look like a year from now? Right now he can't play 75 snaps on offense. That's why you see Jacob Warren out there a lot, but what's he look like a year from now? Cause he is a, you know, an athletic, uh, a mismatch, I think, you know, just because he's, he's a really good athlete. I just think, I mean, I don't think you're going to see as many kids return as, as some people assume. And I know, Brent, you've talked about this too, but I mean, any of those guys that 
have a snowball's chance ended up even on a practice squad are going to leave. I mean, will Matthew Butler have a chance to, you know, end up on, on somebody's practice squad or your 54 man roster. I mean, I think Palmer would, you know, just, oh, yeah. given, just yeah. given his measurables. I mean, I, I mean, I think obviously you'll see some guys do it, but I, I'll be surprised if it's more than a handful See, I yeah. think if those guys, I would look to come, want to come back. One, you know, depending on where you're at as far as trying to, it, you know, get a secondary degree or a master's or whatever else, you know, that could help. And then two, like, you know, you're only going to play football for so long. So would you rather get another year in here? It's something you know you're going to play a lot, you know, a team you're going to play a lot for, or would you rather go and, you know, potentially be on a practice squad making whatever they make? I would, uh, I would say option B. Yeah, I would think the practice. Right, the guys. I would think, yeah, because one, they're ready to get out of school and not have to deal with the academic life. And two, you know, the longer they wait, the, the less they're, you know, the older they get, sometimes the harder that it is for those guys to make it. I think a couple guys that are intriguing. I think DeAndre Johnson goes, okay? I, think, I don't think he would come back, but that one would be interesting, you know, if he flashes and then kind of disappears here. Now, if he goes on and does what he's doing right now, Obviously, he's gonna he's gonna go ahead and go because somebody's yeah. gonna take a flyer on that because of that position, but he doesn't have a lot of reps under his belt. Okay, another guy that's getting to play a lot of reps but hasn't played a lot of football much to your Josh Palmer comparison is a guy like Kenneth George Jr. Would it behoove him to potentially come back for another year because here's a guy who basically didn't play in high school at all, played a little bit in JUCO. And then here he is at Tennessee. Could that I mean, be a in, guy? In some instances, Brent, you're going it, to, it's, it's not going to behoove Tennessee for some of these kids to come exactly. back. Exactly. A guy like Keyshawn Lawrence, Jeremy's talking about keeping him at corner. Eventually, talent should take over, and Keyshawn, in theory, would pass a guy like Kenneth George. Jr. Agreed. Yep. You're exactly right. You're exactly right on that. And that's where the thing is, it's not just, you know, everybody says another year. They might not be asked to have another year. You know, then if, you know, the other year might have to be at a, transfer situation might not be at the school that they're at if they wanted to play college football uh, for another year. Um, Vols have shown in spurts they can go really fast if they want to. Do you think Tennessee goes fast in this Georgia game? I kind of like their up-tempo stuff. I think they might flirt with it and see what it looks like against Georgia. Got to be able to get first downs, though. Yep. I think that would be the key. Can't be in third and 11, that's for sure, if you're going to have a chance at that. But I think it's been effective for Tennessee when they've gotten in it. Um, and it's got, and they've gotten in a rhythm when they've been able to win on first down. So, you know, I, I think it'll be in the, in the playbook to, to look at this week. I'm not saying they'll definitely do it, but we, what we know is both these defenses on both sides of the ball, Austin, like to sub a lot of people. You know, they like to sub package. Look, they all came from the Nick Saban tree who absolutely hates hurry up offenses because it doesn't give him a chance to put on a, a specific package for a specific down and distance. So if they think that that can play to an advantage, they may try to, you know, they may flirt that out there and see how Georgia reacts to that uh, for sure. Um, Vol since 1996 wants to know, will Cheney get a contract extension? And if not, who would they take a look at to take over for the OC position? I don't have any idea where Jeremy Pruitt would go with there. I think he would like Jim Cheney to hang around and, and call plays for a few more years. Jim Cheney will have a job here as long as Jim Cheney wants a job here. I think they're a good fit personally, personality-wise. I mean, I think, I, think Jeremy, I think Jeremy stays out of his hair outside of the 
you know, the times where Jim gets a little pass happy and then you all of a sudden see them run like nine straight plays. And I'm sure that's, Hey, can we run the, or, Hey, can we not run the ball Jim? Yeah. But otherwise I think they get along fine. I think Jeremy likes Jim being the head coach of his offense. So I think as long as Jim wants to stay here, I'm with you, Austin, he's got a job here. All right. Is uh, Bennett the fourth this year's Kyle Trask. Or is Tennessee walking into another game where we can't handle a backup quarterback or is this different because we have film? I mean, no, he's not. I don't think he's Kyle Trask. I mean, Kyle Trask was never fourth on the depth chart with, you know, going into a, a football season. Then, you know, guy he, was, out. he was recruited by an SEC school coming out of high school. Also. Yeah. I mean, like, I think he's more like Joe Tereshinsky. Because he, but, but Tereshinsky never had the offensive line this kid has. I, I do think that Tereshinsky had better running backs. He did not have, the wide receivers at Georgia. That point, George Pickens is a, is, is a stud. And so, you know, I think Tennessee will have their hands full. They've got to find a way to get get home and get the Stetson Bennett. Because, AP, not, I mean, if you give him time, the kid still throws it good enough to where he can pick you apart. AP, if, you get, if, if it's the early 90s or it's, it's the 90s, you've got to go to uh, Georgia Tech as Georgia's head coach and get a win. Are you rolling with Joe, Joe Cox or JT3? Joe Cox. Ball fan 0316 wants to know when looking at this matchup, what intrigues you the most that hasn't been there the last few years? Simple line of scrimmage. I mean, I, I don't think Tennessee was I don't think Tennessee was on par with Georgia in the line of scrimmage the last couple of years. I think Tennessee's much closer to being there this year. I'm not saying they are there, but I think they're much more competitive in the line of scrimmage than they've been the last couple of years. I think that's I mean, that was, on the OL. Where I mean, you, Tennessee may have a couple first-round picks on the offensive line. And I, mean, I was looking at kind of like you know comparisons, like you know Tennessee's O line to Georgia's D line, Tennessee's receivers to Georgia's secondary. I'm not sure Tennessee has the edge anything, but I think a lot there's a lot of pushes. Like whereas a year ago there were no pushes, it was Georgia across the board, and even where areas where Georgia may be fractionally better. It's not by some wide margin. Like they're 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 about better by a little bit, and it's some, not something that Tennessee can't overcome with, you know, coaching or technique come Saturday. Yeah, I mean that, but I think it starts for me. It starts in the line of scrimmage. But I agree with you. I, I think they're much closer to being competitive across the board, which is what you want in your third year with a coach in a rebuilding job. I mean, that's what he was hired to do was to try to catch. And, and get closer to the teams they're chasing. And I think they are closer to Georgia talent-wise than they have been in previous years. Uh, P-Stone18 wants to know, uh, observation, I'd love a comment on the jumbo package. I know it's Cade slid over to tight end on the left side. So it was Cade, Wanya, and Trey. Uh, man, that's a line for short yardage situations to run behind. And then questions, uh, what's your biggest surprise so far through two games? Give one overreaction hot take for the remainder of the season on current term, current team are recruiting. Uh, so what's your biggest surprise through two games thus far? I don't know that anything has really blown me away. I mean, maybe JG not having a turnover in two games, but I mean, that's not exactly, you know, DiMaggio's 56 game hitting streak or anything. Um, I, I mean, I, I expect them to be able to run the football. They have, you know, I expected them to be, you know, against the South Carolina and Missouri's of the world. So I don't know that anything, it's kind of been chalk. 
Um, I, I think I think JG's lack of turnovers um, certainly is there. On the negative side, I think Brent Samigli has been, um, you know, that surprised me that that he's missed two already this year. Um, and Axton Brooks surprised me, just in terms of how he's punted it. Yeah, I mean, he's averaging almost forty-two a kick, and you know, and, and several of those in the South Carolina game, he was just trying to pin them inside the twenty. Yeah, and you know, and I know everybody wants to try to tout, you know, the DeAndre Johnson stuff. He's played better than I expected him to play. Yeah, totally. I would get. I mean, I wasn't sure even that he would start, you know, over Roman Harrison. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I thought he would might show up in week one, but I didn't think he would do anything kind of two weeks in a row. The way the biggest had. disappointment would be for me, DeAndre, or would be Roman Harrison. Yeah, he, you know, I mean, he's not been a factor at all. Yeah, and he didn't. He did not. He didn't. I didn't think he got more opportunities in the Missouri game, and I didn't think. I didn't think he showed up much when when you rewatch that game. I didn't. I didn't see him be a factor there. He's in danger of losing snaps to Tyler. I would think. Yes, I would agree with that too. Um, all right, overreaction, hot take for remainder of the season. Um, I'm not real sure where to go with that or in recruiting. Um, I. I don't really have an answer for a hot take. I don't, I don't see that. So sorry, I don't have a whole lot for you. I, I, I you think Paul's pulled upset. Either this one, Bama, or, or Florida. You think they get one of the three? That's your hot no, take. I think Florida is the most likely. Okay. My hot, my hot take is if Tennessee gets a Mary Smims, they're going to get Nylon Green. Wow. All right. So there's two hot takes for you. Uh, Cedar Bluffball wants to know for Rob. Assuming that Smith does indeed pick Auburn, where does the staff turn? Is Hutley Hatfield essentially last name on the board as of today, given your recent statement of being out of a couple other ones, any new names to watch potential 22 reclassification to 21 other than Hatfield? Nope. Right now. I mean, I'm, it's a question I'm asking myself and asking others. I mean, and Hatfield still has to reclassify, which I think he will do sometime in the winter or early spring. But uh, no, I think Tennessee is going to be, you know, kind of pounding the bushes, and, and I would bet a lot of money that if they do did miss on Smith, that you'll see them take a, a grad transfer or two. All right. Logan Bartlett wants to know, can you guys comment on Pruitt maturing or changing from year one or the beginning of last year in regard to game week preparation? I don't know that – I don't know that he's changed a whole lot. I think the biggest change is that his players understand how to prepare. And so I think I think he has probably a little bit more confidence in his players' uh, preparations. Probably goes into games with more confidence. Um, I, you know, I don't think he's changed his aggressiveness in terms of how he prepares or how he coaches in games, whether it's going forward on fourth down or, you know, an onside kick here or things that we've seen him do. Uh, but I think the biggest change from him from you know year one and, and the first part of year two is the fact that his team understands the way that they want to practice and the way they want to, they need to go about preparing. You, you just don't hear him. You don't see him angry a lot of, you know, after practice anymore or, or, you know, openly critical of his kids after practice, because I think he feels like they know how to prepare each way. So I think that's helped relax him a little bit. I, I think he's a million times better with the media. I mean, I think he's just so much more comfortable in his own skin. You know, he shows some personality. I mean, he's, I mean, he's not a comedian, but now, you know, he's, he, he's, you know, you can see he's got a sense of humor occasionally. He'll crack some jokes and just, uh, I mean, just comes across as a genuine dude. I think, and I think that's what Tennessee fans appreciate about him and kind of identify with. You know, maybe, maybe the subject noun agreement isn't always there, but 
Tennessee fans, I think, like the fact that he's a genuine guy as opposed to the last dude who was just all about the soundbite. Deshaun, 13, where do you see Georgia attacking Tennessee? I think I think Georgia's going to try to go over top. I think they're going to try to hit some big stuff early. I, I think they're going to be aggressive. If it's not just a monsoon, I think they're going to be aggressive and, and try to challenge Tennessee's secondary. That doesn't mean they're not going to run the ball, but I think they're going to take some shots early. That's my that's my opinion, based well, on the fact that Tennessee's given up some big plays. I think especially off play action. I mean, if, they're, if, if they're able to run the ball – with you know effectively and and Tennessee's got to stack the box. I 100% you think that you're you're exactly right over. Especially I mean, because Missouri did it, you know, pretty successfully. They didn't have anybody like Pickens or Jackson. No, they did not. And and you know those two can certainly play and can give Tennessee some fits. And it will be interesting to see how Tennessee's corners play against those two guys if they go out and play man to man against them. Um, Let's see here. Can you explain this year's eligibility? Do coaches, players pick and choose whether this year counts for the specific player? Uh, example, Amari Thomas for a year, obviously. Brandon Kennedy, his last year. Does he have an option, or is that up to the coaches and him also uh, with the NFL draft? Look, it's up to the players and the coaches, as we talked about earlier. Um, not every kid's going to have an opportunity to come back around the country for an extra year. Some of them are going to be asked and told to move on, uh, and not every kid's going to want to come back. Now, if you're an underclassman, the year doesn't count and it doesn't matter. But for juniors and seniors, you know, those will be decisions you have to make in regards to the NFL draft. If you're an underclassman that way, uh, who's eligible for the draft there and then a senior, you got to decide if you want to keep playing football, if you want to go to the draft, or if you're ready to hang up your cleats and, and be done with it. So that, that's up to the, the kids to decide. And obviously the coach has to want them back as well. All right, Austin, do you mind breaking down the relationship between Pruitt and Kirby? You alluded to it in the podcast on Tuesday. I've read, heard conflicting things like they're close and then on the flip side that they don't like each other too much. I believe CBS shared the story that uh, Pruitt drove Kirby's wife to the hospital when she was having twins. What's the insight there, Austin Price? That's true. He did drive it, her. You know, it's called being a good human being. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, that, that don't mean that they, that they are like bosom buddies. Um, you know, you know, like I said, when, when coach Pruitt made the comment about, you know, the golf analogy, you saying that Kirby never loses the ball in the woods. He always finds his ball in the woods. Um, you know, Kirby took no, I mean, he, he took offense to that. He came right back on Twitter and kind of had his jab back. And, you know, I mean, if they're in the same room, much like a lot of these guys, they'll be cordial with one another and talk, but they're, they don't, they're not friends. Like, you know, like, I mean, like, they're not calling each other. They're not making each other's Christmas card list. Well, I think what people don't understand about the, those guys, you know, particularly, particularly when it comes to Tennessee and Georgia, they're competing against. It's not just that they're competing against each other one day out of the year or one week out of the year where they're preparing to play. They're competing against each other 365 days a year in recruiting. And, and look, it's as heated Rob Lewis as it's ever been in that in that regard. So. It, it, you know, it's hard to be buddies, you know, when all's fair and love and recruiting. And, and when you're, you know, they're going after each other in recruiting. Those sure. two programs people, are going after each other. And, you know, there's different degrees of it, but schools negatively recruit. I mean, that, whether that's – I mean, that could be, you know, talking about the culture of a program on one end or just talking about the depth chart of a program on one well, end. Think about and, it. They're both at Alabama together. That You know, it, it highlighted by the story of him taking Kirby's wife to the hospital – when they had the baby, 
But then Jeremy goes on his own to Florida State as a D.C., wins a national title there, then goes to Kirby's alma mater, Georgia, and, you know, pushes them to be better, like pushes them to build an indoor, pushes them to do things um, that would make them better. Now, and you, you believe what you want on the whole he and Mark Rick type stuff, but the point is, is like, you know, Kirby ends up coming back in there. Jeremy goes back and takes Kirby's spot at Alabama. And, of course, eventually comes here. So those guys have always kind of competed with or around each other. And then you throw in the fact that, you know, Jeremy ain't exactly fond of the dogs, okay? <laughs> All the people down there in Athens and Jeremy ain't exactly like, you know, they're definitely not on each other's Christmas cards list. So, um, you know, I think when you, you add Kirby to that mix, again, it's, it's not like they hate each other. I don't think that to be the case. Um, but they're not they're not buddies. All right, a couple things as we get out the door here. Um, Austin, for you, a couple of recruiting questions. TID, all Georgia, we've already talked about that. Is Weaver a priority? Take that one. And will the next commit weigh north of three Benjamins? That's 300 pounds. You know, uh, Jalen Weaver, I don't think is doing anything, anything anytime soon. So thus, uh, that plays into Tennessee's hands. Um, if he wanted to do something right now, I don't know. Uh, you know, later, I think potentially yes. Um, north of 300 pounds, I don't know. I guess it depends. There you go. I mean, it depends. <laughs> it depends if anybody commits before uh, Mims commits. And it depends if Mims picks Tennessee. Tennessee. I, you know, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I don't think that necessarily that Amarius Mims will be the next person to commit. He may be. But there's a couple of guys that have been, you know, going back and forth about what they may do. And so. So who knows what that looks like? All right. Um, UT Volfan 29. Why is Tennessee having so many issues recruiting top level pass rushers and DB even after changing the defensive staff around some? Seems like we're struggling in those two areas. I think the DB thing's pretty interesting. I don't know. I don't know if this. You know, some of those West Coast kids that first year, we've talked about that a million times. That was a pipe dream. Nylon Green is hard to beat. Uh, distance from home there with Georgia. I think there's some of that's worked against Tennessee a great deal. Um, and then there's some others they just haven't been able to get in on. Yeah, I mean, again, we have Demarius McGee ranked one way. The other side has him ranked far higher. Who's right? Who knows? Well, only time will tell. But, you know, if you, if you go off of that theory, you know, you know, the other guys have him ranked as a top 100 player. So, uh, you know, he would be, in theory, a top 100 player. And your boy Chad Simmons is going to see him this week, so that might change. That's right. Chad's, gonna, Chad's taking over the state of Florida. So, uh, you know, maybe, it, maybe you know, after watching him practice and run around, watching some new tape, you know, McGee ends up getting a bump whenever they come out with new rankings. All right, last question here. Uh, how would you attack Georgia's offense if you were Pruitt and Derek Ansley, Rob Lewis? Does he mean how, – How would you attack Georgia's offense if you were playing defense for Tennessee? I mean, I'm making the former walk-on make some throws if, if I'm there. I, mean, I know he's got some big-time targets outside, but I'm taking chances because, I mean, I don't I – don't, I mean, I think Tennessee is sound in the front seven, but – you know, I don't know that they're just lining up and, and stonewalling Georgia. So I'm taking some chances. I'm stacking the box. I'm sending people. And I'm making uh, making the – like I said, making the, making the former walk-on throw some dimes. I mean, Austin, do you think it's important that Tennessee not let Stetson Bennett out off the edge? 
I, I thought he threw the ball rolling out on the move pretty good. But you've mentioned this a couple of times. He's not the biggest guy in the world. Would they be better served corralling him instead of just maybe coming a gap up the middle blitzes, up the middle pressures? Yeah, keeping him in the pocket. I agree. Uh, you keep him in the pocket and, you know, I mean, the thing is, Georgia's offensive line, you know, because he's not the biggest guy in the world, and it's, it's a little bit overblown because you look and see Russell Wilson, he plays in the pocket. Drew Brees, Drew Brees plays in the pocket. You know, but I mean, like, at the same time, Georgia's offensive line, they are some big dudes, and, and they're tall, and so, yeah, I mean, I would definitely keep him in the pocket. Yeah, I, I thought he – I thought he got going in that Auburn game by being able to throw on the move. I, I thought that's kind of how he got his rhythm going in that game. So we'll see if Tennessee can keep him corralled up in there and, and how they can play that. So um, big game, big opportunity for Tennessee. Should be a lot of fun. We'll continue to break it down, continue to talk about it uh, the rest of the week here and get you ready for Tennessee and Georgia in Athens at 3.30. Hey, I want to remind you about our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. If you have heating and air needs, you need to give them a call at 865 865- 299-2290, or you can check them out online at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. You can book an appointment online. They can come out and give you a tune-up to your system. Uh, if you're having issues with your system, they'll send a technician out to evaluate what you need and break down exactly what you need. They have financing options for you. Everything you need to make your home comfortable, whether it's cold in the winter or warm in the summer, whatever you need, Blue Water Climate Control can do it for you. So check them out online or check them out on Twitter at Blue h2o underscore climate that's going to do it for this mailbag edition of the volquest.com podcast for rob lewis and austin price i'm brent hubs thanks for joining us have a great rest of your thursday everybody